Hello and welcome to ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is episode 110. That is Holy Bryce, uh, independent band, independent guy on uh, iTunes there. Check him out on the website, ASI247.org. Click on the music tab and uh, yeah, you can download the music there. So yes, right here you can build a soundtrack for the Ten Commandments, right? Using modern music from the 20th to 21st century. Um, anyhow, that's uh, the Ten Commandments series that I'm going through right now. ASI in its fifth year. I'll make a little announcement about that. With this podcast being five years old, and I'm reading a book, a great book by uh, Scott Thomas guy that goes to our church, Mars Hill Church in Seattle, marshillchurch.org, you want to check it out, um, wrote a book called Gospel Coach, really helps me see um, the genesis of the podcast and what I've been doing for the last five years is life, life coaching folks towards sexual integrity, from being a porn and sex addiction quit coach to coaching towards confession, um, towards living life in the aftermath of confession, what it feels like to pull out, to uproot such a deep, dark addiction and, and living life after that. I mean, these are the things that I've been coaching in people, right? And the, the hundreds of emails I've received over the years. And listen, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist. Of course, you know, the disclaimer, right? See your professional help, professional help. But what is a coach? That's what I've been doing. It is kind of cool, actually. Um, again, not that I'm a professional, like certified in any kind of certification as far as life coaching is concerned. So listen, I'm no expert on cognitive science or neurology, but I do know this. If it fires together, it wires together. That is a, a saying from cognitive science that what fires in our mind, and, and here's something that I've learned, and this goes into the realm of coaching, that the more attitude that's put behind it, the more emotion that's put behind what fires in your mind, the more you're going to be wired to it. It's just the way things are. Here's the definition of coaching and where the word came from. Check this out. This is also from Scott Thomas's book, um, Gospel Coach. It really started with horse and buggy kind of carriages in the 1700s to 1800s, right? And then um, it was applied to railway cars in 1866. The use of the word coach as an instructor or trainer appeared in Oxford University, 1830, um, as a slang term for a tutor who carries 
a student, right? I mean, this is the concept of coach, right? You need a, to take an exam or you got a big test or something that you're got to study for. Um, an instructor, a coach, you can, right, you can ride with this person's knowledge, with this person's attitude, okay? This relationship that you create with this person can help carry you to the place you want to be, right? That is where the concept of coach was formed, the, the genesis of it. It wasn't till the like 1850s or 1860s, I believe, that uh, coaching was applied as an athletic uh, instructor. Again, at Oxford University. So coaching, in its original intent, is the process of transporting an individual from one place to another. So the ASI podcast, in its current form, carries, so to speak, about 7,500, between 74 and 7,500 downloads a month with about 100 subscribers, which is strange, but that's my audience. Um, these are stats I get from FeedBurner. Just to let you know, just so you can understand and see um, how many folks are being... Um, influenced by this podcast. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to plead with you <laughs> this holiday season to, to use kind of a coaching term, to be my wingman financially and help carry some of this. ASI247.org, you can leave a donation right there on the website. You can partner with me in, in reaching the masses for sexual integrity. Um, also, if you want to leave a, a donation or send a check, if you don't feel comfortable giving online, um, it's P.O. Box 13324, Everett, Washington, 98206 in the USA. So, again, it's it, yes, I'm asking for money. I'm asking you to be generous this holiday season. And uh, with your generosity be the fuel for this vehicle that is uh, the ASI podcast. Because again, I don't pick up this show to make much of myself. I know that it's helping people. God has used me to help people. I'm not sure why. <laughs> why we'd use a jacked up dude like me, but I've seen and heard people's stories, alright? There's victory out there. This is helping folks or I wouldn't have kept on doing it. I used to hate asking for money, and it's still a little weird to do this, but, you know, during this holiday season, it really is an attitude of the heart, and you can see it today, the, the generosity that comes flowing out of people this time of the year. People have asked, um, uh, switching gears here, um, People have asked over the years, why do I use the word sin, okay, instead of cracking open a book and, and looking at the many disorders and dysfunctions and um, labels that the psychological community can, you know, kind of focus on a certain little area and say that that's what's wrong with a person. And because sin is, it's just a, it's a deeper root kind of word where all the, this fracture that's in the planet, this fracture that we feel every single day that, um, 
Sin ruins everything. My wife, my beautiful wife, my wife cares about you guys, all right? My wife's read some of the emails and, and, and she cares about you and she cares about your wives. And, and, and like she said, be a little tougher on these guys. You know, I, I, I won't want to see, and she had tears and she's like, I don't want to see any of your used, hurt women. My, this is my beautiful wife, Dana. I, I love her heart because this is what came out of her, right? And, and this is here, this is me kicking your butt a little bit, okay? Listen, I know some of the stuff I said and some of the past shows may have been a bit painful, okay? But being right where you're supposed to be, right? If you're on the operating table, if you're in the doctor's office, pre-cancer, they're finding that stuff early. That is a good thing. But it is going to be painful going under surgery. Okay, I've got some emails recently from some listeners who uh, I had contacted. It had been a few years. And l let me just say that, man, catch this thing early. Okay? Don't wait. I mean, that's... It's so obvious to hear that, and but I'm, I'm asking you to please heed that advice. Get this taken care of now before the cancer spreads and grows. I love that picture of that little girl I saw in the hospital. As I walk in the hospital, I'm holding pizza for the doctors and nurses in the ER, and right in front of me is this big sign, and I can only see about half of the top of it. It's a little red-haired girl. And she's just got this grinchy looking gowl on her face. And right above her head in big red letters, it says, I hate you. And I'm like, all right, what's what's that about? And I walk in, all right, and I get a better perspective on the, on the picture. And it says at the bottom, um, actually right across, you know, her torso there, where it says in big red letters, cancer. So <laughs> that was the message. I hate you Cancer. I, I pray that you get that attitude towards this thing now. Deal with the pain that you will have to go through to recover from this now. And this commandment, the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, says the Lord thy God, right? In uh, Exodus 20, it goes really to the root of, uh, of what sin is, and go all the way back to Genesis, that we don't trust God. We're married to God in, in a certain respect, right? But we've been lied to, and, and you can see the roots of this in relationship, that we get bored in relationship, that we, that people fall in love and they get this rush of endorphins and dopamine and they carry into this relationship that's just oh she can do no wrong or he can do no wrong you know this passionate love that God wired us for and as that starts to fade those chemical brain chemicals start to fade we start to you know see that our spouse isn't perfect Pastor Mark at Mars Hill Church, you'll say, you know, when people get married, he says that the problem with this marriage is the two sinners that are getting married, right? But God is bigger than the us. And that's the good news. That our faith in something that's deeper, rooted, rooted down deeper than our relationship with our husband or wife, 
our relationship with God is bigger than that. Going to root cause, right? What we place our hope in, what we place our faith in changes everything. Um, I wanted to turn you on to a couple of different websites. Uh, KenBurks.com. Ken Burks is a pastor who does a Facebook type of ministry. It comes up on the news feed um, if you do Facebook. Again, I'm on Facebook. If you want to friend me on Facebook, you can do that. Uh, go to the website and ASI247.org. You can friend me on Facebook. And you can see um, Ken Burks does this ministry online on Facebook called Sowing Seeds of Faith. Just great information, great stuff about faith, uh, stuff I need, I'll be honest with you. Ken's a great faith type of coach, right? Um, RememberingOurVows.com is another one. Uh, RememberingOurVows.com also is another great resource. But Stephanie Hamilton Moore, I believe, is, is who you can friend on Facebook to become a part of this uh, this feed. That, Or you can just go to the website RememberingOurVows.com um, another great website that uh, deals with remembering our vows, right? I think it's just a great title. A, a lot of different topics that are brought up and people dialogue and talk about. There needs to be more men on this website, guys. Uh, be honest with you, there's a lot of ladies on there, and I'd like to see more guys who have... Uh, an attitude towards wanting to remember their vows and, and, and interjecting some input on the website there um, because you love your spouse, right, guys? Those of you who are married. And listen, the reason I'm on RememberingYourVows.com and the reason I talk about some of that stuff there on the, the Facebook feed, news feed, is because I need help. I'm not, I'm a mess. I, I need help, okay? I want to learn how to be a better husband. I want to learn how to be a better man and father. I want to remember my vows. I am. I do not have it all together. I do not get on there like Dr. Phil and try and express my opinion. Or get on there and just try and promote the show. I'm on there because I need help. Um, if you're single... Man, you should check it out too. RememberingYourVows.com Because it's marriage isn't easy. Okay? And you can learn some stuff there. I'm reading some of the blog posts on RememberingOurVows.com I started to uh, started thinking about what is adultery and going into more of the definitions of what it means biblically. Jesus in Matthew 5 is going to say that you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Um emotional affairs. If you're you're talking with a woman at work in deeper, like you feel like she or he gets you um, more than your spouse does, you could be committing adultery. You're, it's an adulterous emotional affair. And sometimes these can hurt worse than a physical affair because you're confiding in, you're trusting in, you're putting your right intimacy your intimate hopes, dreams, fears, communication, right? You're getting inside of someone, heart, mind. It's the same thing. It's adultery. 
emotional fears. Like if you're protecting that friend, I've heard this before. Like, well, I have this friend, a girlfriend, or like if you're a guy, right? Well, she's just a friend or he's just a friend and your spouse has a problem with that. All right. You're committing adultery. All right. Knock it off. It's more than just a friend. If your spouse has a problem with it because they're jealous or have control issues, that's another thing. But you having a friend and you're going to keep that friend, whether your wife has a problem with it or not, you could be breaking the seventh commandment there. All right. Are you an open book? This is a big part of the seventh commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Can you be an open book with your spouse? Let me talk to you married guys for a second. All right. Do you have like a password? that, you know, for an email or something like that, that's with your phone or something that, you know, that she has, that she knows that you have. And it's like some, you know, that you say, oh, well, you can't look there. Okay. Do you do that to your wife? Do you, do you have some, you know, your cell phone or something like that, that you just don't let her see that, you know, she, she can't have access to your cell phone because that's yours and you got your privacy, right? Okay, no, that's no. You need to be an open book. The Bible says the two become one flesh. That means you're together. Um, naked and unashamed is, is the, the biblical going back to the garden is what we're trying to reach for here. Be an open book with your spouse. You don't have the right to shut her out. You don't have the right to say, oh, here's my email access, my email address. You don't have access to it. I'm not going to give you access to my my email account, right? You don't tell her that. What the hell's wrong with you? Seriously. Do you want to be married or do you want to be single? This is why you have issues. This is why most men have marital issues, right? That's not just me. That's Alec Warren's great marriage counselor. And he talks about that. He's like, most marriage problems are solved by usually the man realizing that he's not single anymore. All right? You have to stop living like a single dude while you're married. You let her in as part of intimacy. No more secrets. Knock it off. All right? I love you guys. See, the big idea, and the reason I talk about faith so much, the reason I talk about God so much, the reason I talk about roots right and the genesis of a thing is because it's really getting to the point of what how are you going to demonstrate your love to your spouse by you being right all the time i'm talking to you single people too man this is something that you need to understand now before you make that lifelong commitment that vow and if you've made that vow this is understanding that what love is is all about. Jesus touches on the Ten Commandments in Matthew 5, and here's some of my commentary on Matthew 5, that he says, um, if you even look at a woman with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery, you've broken the Seventh Commandment. Okay, if you've even said um, raka, if you've even said a striking word, right, to someone, go to hell to someone, you've broken the Sixth Commandment. And you're in danger of going to hell for breaking those rules, is what, what Jesus said. And, and he's speaking into their belief system of how they interpreted the Old Testament law in that time. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, 
you know, I'm here, right? I'm here. I'm God. I'm here. And in this law keeping thing, I mean, he raises the bar and says, you want to love God by keeping the rules? Then be perfect. That's how he ends Matthew 5. And the truth is, and even the Bible is going to say that, that none of us are perfect. If you say you're without sin, you're a liar. And the truth is not in you. That's in 1 John. Again, going back to the point of knowing about love, demonstrating love, understanding that there's purpose and there's meaning, and there's a way to demonstrate love that leads to life. Where I, the way I ended the last show was with that song by Good Charlotte, um, Right Where I Belong. Maybe it's right where you belong to, to just yell out and scream at the top of your lungs. Maybe I don't know what love is all about. Can someone tell me what love is all about? We aren't finite. We don't know everything. I was talking to a guy, uh, I heard this guy is like a, you know, 12-step dude. He runs a AA meetings and NA meetings and stuff like that. And he was saying, oh, I don't like the Christian theology of calling everyone a sinner because, you know, we just you start to believe that and it's just bad for your self-esteem. And I'm processing that and I'm like, dude, um... I'm an ex-alcoholic, all right? I used to drink myself unconscious. One time when I was 16 years old, I actually drank myself to death, all right? I died for two minutes. I pumped my stomach several times. Um, I'm an ex-drug addict, all right? I was a speed freak. I was into drugs pretty heavy, smoking pot all the time. I'm an ex-drug addict. I'm an ex porn and sex addict, okay? I'm an ex-addict in those areas. But I am a sinner to be sure, okay? I'm not perfect. That is obvious. To say that you're not a sinner is to say that you're perfect. But I understand where he's coming from, right? Like it's not healthy, especially for really broken people, to be like hating on themselves, okay? To not like who they are. And I think it goes back to this kind of enlightenment philosophical message that says, I'm wonderful. You know, how do we solve this problem of people being despondent, right? Like people just don't care. How do we get them to care? How do we pull them out of their depression? How do we get them to stop using, right? To tell them how wonderful they are. And there's a lot of fluid to that, right? There's a lot of functionality to that kind of philosophy. Because you start feeling better about yourself. You start wanting to help other people. You start to see the gifts that God gave you. But the problem with that is then we, if we become full of ourselves, if we forget about the first commandment, worshiping God, and we forget about the second commandment, not making a God you know, out of with our own hands to worship that we put ahead of the Creator who loves us. We start to believe that maybe we're the center and we're who others should submit to because it is so wonderful to be loved by me. I mean, that's kind of the message that starts to sink in, that starts to enter the roots of a person. That if you're loved by me, it's just going to be wonderful. And if it isn't, 
then there's something wrong with you pointing the finger outward. That's why I use that term so much in the show, um, behind your eyes, you, behind your eyes. Because that's the point of the seventh commandment, that he loves us, that he's a jealous God. That's how the whole 10 commandments starts out. I'm jealous because I love you. I, I want you to be with me, to have your heart towards me. The answer is just Christmas. Christmas is awesome. Look around, right? It, it's beautiful. It's this, this celebration that God loves us, that God entered into our story and our situation. Check this out. Here's a, a creative way of presenting this scripture to you. I've, I've read it before, but I'm going to present it to you in this way. Um, this is a Christian metal band. Uh, band members are Christians called August Burns Red um, and Charlie Brown and Linus. Here you go. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about? Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Christmas is all about. Everything I do turns into a disaster. Christ the Lord. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. 
I've always tried in this show to articulate in a way that would help you um, understand or comprehend some of the rules and, and some of the things that are in the Bible, right? One of my heroes, C.S. Lewis, he, he tries to do this constantly. He's uh, He said about himself that he's trying to get into normal people, right? So normal people, like myself, can understand the gospel. Um, the best teachers that I've had were people that were would come down to my level and help me see past my own life, right? See out of the... Uh, the four walls that are my brain. You know, you hear this concept of thinking outside the box. I think that a lot of this Old Testament law is that. Like, it, it should work for other people, but, you know, putting it in my life, my life's different. You know, it's 2010. This stuff was said a long time ago, Russ. Stuff like that. Um, so, to comprehend the, the Old Testament law and what Jesus said when he said... Um, if you love me, keep my commandments. Um, see, there's a structure to it all. And that's the main thing that, I, that God wants us to understand with this Ten Commandments. It, it's not the first law. The first law was in the garden and, and God created everything and he made them to be good, right? Like that's Genesis, you know, one. He made it and it was good. Like all things that God made, he made and called them good good. And then the fracture comes, right? There was one rule and that was it. That was just don't eat from that tree. Don't eat from the tree of good and evil, right? Just that's me. I'm your dad. I'm your God. I love you. I made man, right? Man didn't want to be lonely. Man was lonely. God saw man lonely. He makes woman a lot of feminists think that that's, oh, that's that Christian thing, and it's just lowering women, right? Like, low, like that means that women are just helpmates for men, and, and that's not, you're just, it, that's kind of a negative attitude towards religion, and I get that. But if you look at it, really, God created everything, and then the cherry on the top, like something was missing. It's almost like God said, all right, something, there's something that needs to be a, a final touch, right? Like an artist who creates something and says it just needs a little something, right? Like uh, I like how uh, John Eldridge and, and Stacey Eldridge, they wrote the book uh, Captivating. It. He called it like the cherry topping, right? On top of That's woman. That is women. God made women and he made them to be the... the quintessential topping, the finishing touch on, on his whole creation. I think that's beautiful. Women are beautiful. That's why the devil hates them so much. That's why the serpent, who does he go to talk to? Who does he go to lie to? Who does he go to pursue? To, to Who does he go to try and influence? He goes to Eve because he hates her so much. All right? And our first parents, Adam and Eve, broke the whole structure. It fractured the whole creation. You know? Like I've talked about before, you ever just look at a leaf and just look at the, the design of it? A, a leaf, for example. I mean, there's just so many things that God created. And there's, there's just so much of his artistry in it. It's so intricate. It's not just an accident. There is a 
purpose to life. All right? When, when Adam and Eve sinned, that fractured the whole creation. And now we live in, in light of that fracture. And even though we're disobedient kids, God still loves us. God loves us. All right? God is for you. He's not against you. The devil, the liar, is trying to trick you into believing that he's not for you, that he's a mean father, and that you should run from him. Right? Run away from God because he doesn't love you. That is the constant message that the serpent, the liar, the accuser is trying to tell you. So if there's anything I'm trying to do in the show, that is a big part of it, is this attitude towards what is structure, what is purpose, that there is actually meaning. It's getting out of this attitude um, that your life doesn't matter, that everything's random. It's getting into and putting on the attitude that what if it does matter? What if it is fairly intricate, right? Like what if my reaction today leaves a ripple effect through time that'll affect my whole legacy, my, my children, my children's children that aren't even born yet? What if there's that kind of a uh, an attitude, right, in your heart about your own life? A, a way of living that's intentional, that's full of meaning. So in the last show, I talked about a lot of conviction around the seventh commandment, right? That we start to believe that we belong in prison, to do a little review here, that, you know, just under the weight of the pain and the shame and that this is just how things are and this despondency, this just, I just don't care attitude. What if that's moving us forward, right? What if despondency and, and, and I don't give a crap attitude, what if that is actually a, a, a coach, right, that's moving you forward? And that's what I really want you to think about. Despondency as a direction part of how you got here but again you're not listening to the show today on accident right I don't believe in coincidence everything happens for a reason and it's like I ended the last show with which was what if you are right where you belong right now this time in history this point in your life what if you're right where the creator of the universe wants you to get you to open your eyes to get you to see to get you to open your heart to get you to follow after him right I mean there's just so much of this this stuff in, in psychology and in addiction recovery that's follow me follow me you know even I fall into some of that sometimes doing this show you follow me do what I did is uh, yes but mostly, I want you to follow Jesus. I want you to look to God. It's December, right? Christmas, all around Advent. This is that Jesus gives us new light, that He brightens everything where we can't, where we don't have enough juice, right? Jesus forgives the sin that we've done, the sins of omission and commission, right? The sins that we we should have done 
things we didn't do and the sins that we did things we shouldn't have done. He forgives all of that. He forgives the sin that was sinned against us. And some of you have scars, man. And some of you have trauma. And, and I remember feeling that way. I didn't sign up for my life. This anti-victim surface attitude and underneath was this hurting person just trying to keep my own light lit. We're not, we don't get good karma. God paid our sin debt. That's the whole point. That's why we rejoice in Christmas. Pastor Steve at, at Mars Hill had a great, um, great thing he said about it being so dark right now, right? Like this winter solstice and the early church fathers really didn't know when Christmas was the actual time that Jesus was born, but they picked the winter. And I, and I think that's great that they did that because it's just so dark right now. I live in Seattle and, and uh, you know, we, it's dark by four o'clock here. It's, you know, people got their headlights on. It gets dark this time of year. It's the darkest time of the year. And it's Christmas. And you see all the lights. I mean, that's just a great metaphor for, for who Jesus is, coming into a, a dark world to save us. Save us from ourselves. It's that, that picture of the dark courtroom, right? You're going up to be judged, standing before the judge, and, and Jesus walks in with the, the pardon notice, right? Because he knows you. Hey, I know this guy, all right? He, he's, he's off. He's not going to get it. I know all the stuff he's done. I know. I know. And I love him. So here's, here's pardon. Pardon for him. Because I know him. Here's where he grew. When I, when I entered into relationship with him, right? Looking back on your life and the things you've done. Judged like that, that's the good news. Look where he grew over time. Look, this is delayed sanctification, right? God pointing, you know, on judgment day and saying, look, look at his faith, where he believed. Where he leaned into me, Jesus says. And we're pardoned by God the Father because of the work of the Son. Through the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us, changing our desires as we press in and ask Him to change our desires. In faith. And listen, even the faith to believe that is a gift that God gives us through his love and his grace. It's not us trying real hard to change our behavior. It's God the Father loving us and changing our heart from the inside out. From inside flowing out. Not you trying to stuff it in from the outside. That is the faith like a mustard seed that moves mountains over time, right? A deep, heartfelt relationship with God changing you from the inside out. I love you guys. I wanted to leave you with, uh, with this song. My name is Russ Shaw. Again, the email address is russ at asi247.org. Um, I wanted to leave you with this Christmas song. It's, it's my one of my all-time favorites, uh, Oh Holy Night. 
And just listen to the words to this song. I love this song. It's all about that relationship that's changing our hearts from the inside out. Oh, Till next time. Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. In sin and error pining Till he appeared And the soul felt its worth A thrill of hope The weary world rejoices For yonder breaks A new and glorious morn Oh, he
when Christ was born.